Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. I'm the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership and the Vice President of Innovation for Territory Global. We exist to empower you on your journey through collaboration, innovation, and transformation, not just for yourself, but for your business. And we have started a series called Leading in Crisis. Our guests are those that are in the trenches, leading in the midst of the 2020 COVID-19 crisis. Today, my guest is Phil Stevens. He's an award-winning writer and director. He has spent the first two decades of his career in corporate honing his IT skills, and he's the owner of Bedhead Media, an Atlanta-based film production company with clients such as The Home Depot, AutoZone, Ford, Coca-Cola, you name it. I'm also one of his customers, and he's also the video director at Victory Church. Welcome, Phil Stevens. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you amidst this 2020 COVID-19 pandemic? I'm actually pretty good. I'm, I'm Everybody's healthy. Well, I actually had an eye issue. <laughs> That's right. You kicked the whole thing off with an eye issue. What was that about? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even the virus. It was like, I got a virus from my 20-year-old son. It's like pink eye on steroids. Oh. It's like a 21-day process that turned into a bacterial infection in both eyes and then it re-scratched like an injured an old injury in my cornea that I had. So it was, it was quite uncomfortable. You were wearing a patch for a couple of weeks there on the eye, weren't you? <laughs> I was, and <laughs> I've been known to play Nick Fury in a 12 Stones at the movie series. So I just happened to have a bunch of patches. That's hilarious. I mean, it's not hilarious. I'm sure it was very painful. So, it was. <laughs> but at least we can look back on it and laugh now that it's over. I'm not laughing yet. I'm not laughing yet. <laughs> okay, just me then. So, Phil, I'm excited to dive in. I wanted to talk to you about innovation in the midst of crisis. I think a lot of people right now are trying to figure out how do I take a not great situation and innovate in the midst of everything that's going on. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how your job has changed amidst COVID-19. Sure. So at the church, the job demand remained the same, but the projects that we were working on, they, they pivoted considerably. Most of what we do is communication to large amounts of people, to the masses. Uh, most of it is live preaching, it's teaching or performances on stage. And we had just like cleared our plates of several projects to make way for a arena style celebration at the Infinite Energy Arena. And my job is to figure out what stories we were going to tell in the arena so that other teams could build upon the storyline that we agreed on. But then the pandemic hit and my priorities drastically changed. So we had to drop all of that. And we were asked to assist with Easter. That was going to be really video light. Uh, it was going to be mostly performance on stage. And we were asked to actually film the creative portion of it. And that turned out really well. And then we shifted quickly to a 17 chapter video course on a new learning management system. Wow. Which was, again, something that we uh, really enjoyed. We could hang our hat on that thing. It was designed a lot like the masterclass look and ranged from six to 20 minute, 17 videos, transformational lessons focused on building your faith relationship and your emotional health. So it's it's been a it's been a journey. It's been a shift from teaching on stage, but things moved from live face-to-face 
to digital and video platforms. So the demand for me has not let up. Wow. What are you seeing for other people that are in the arts and film industry and how they're being impacted? Do you feel like they're being more impacted, less impacted? What's happening to livelihood as you kind of look out at this industry as a whole? Yeah, this is a, that's a good question. Um, friends of mine that were on huge TV shows like The Resident here in Atlanta, production in Atlanta has come to like a complete halt. You can even notice some of the shows that you watch on TV, uh, whether it be live TV or streaming shows on Hulu, Netflix, some of those shows aren't releasing episodes anymore because they actually film them during the season. Oh, wow. So, you know, my, my friends were like freelance contractors and they're not the only, you know, feature films and TV is not the only thing in Atlanta that stopped. General commercial shoots and other talking head video stuff that just, it's its a crawl. Barely anybody's working. They're filing for unemployment and they've been affected. Uh, I actually, I tried to get some contractors on the Easter shoot and a few of them, because it was risky, they were like, listen, I just finished my two-week incubation period. And I, I don't know, unless you can assure me that everybody else there has been incubated for two weeks, it's a big risk for me. And I, I don't blame them for not taking that risk. Wow. There's so many moving parts with this and there's so many things that people have to think about. And I can't imagine having a job where I have to be in front of people in order to do the job. I can do a lot of my job from home. It's just a different thing that we're seeing right now with the way this is hitting the world. So what would you say are some of the things that you're creating amidst the crisis? What are you working on right now that you're still able to do it with some of the constrictions that are going on right now? You know, I talked about the big Easter performance that we did. That was really cool. It was like a last supper for Easter. That was a huge success. And then the teaching module I mentioned earlier that we launched this weekend, that's really going to serve people well. Did I mention I was proud of the team behind it? I think I said I was proud of it, but anyway, yeah. I'm really proud of the team behind all of that. It was a big collaboration. So, and we were able to do that during the pandemic. So that's cool. Um, a large portion of my job right now is equipping and consulting our executive pastors, our leaders, our ministry teams on how to communicate and teach via alternate means, like pre recorded Zoom calls or recording messages from home via tablets and smartphones. I've dropped off ring lights and tablet microphones and making sure that they're all equipped to do this thing from home. That It doesn't have to look like this big production that we might do in our studio with the big sets, but it does need to have good audio, needs to have good lighting so that the media can get out there on Instagram, Facebook, and you know streaming, and it looks decent because you, you want to look like you know what you're doing, but it doesn't have to be this huge production. So things have, have changed but we're, we're still doing it. As far as Bedhead, we're in early talks. I'm excited about this. We're in early talks with PBS on producing some fun episodic content that would air the fourth quarter of this year. That's awesome. So I was kind of thinking about this the other day. I was listening to something where Erwin McManus was speaking, and he was saying that um, right now the church is actually one of the most innovative organizations out there because of, well, at least the larger ones, right? Because some of the technology that you just mentioned, some of the smaller churches don't have, or they don't even know how to use, or they've never streamed before, right? But these larger churches, they actually were doing streaming before all this started, and they had some of the production quality equipment to do this. What would you say to that? Do you feel that when you look out at 
you know, how this has hampered a lot of organizations. Would you say that in terms of innovation, the church has actually moved to the forefront? I would. I would say that the mega and giga churches out there, they already knew that they had to reach the online communities. And those were in the masses. Those were in the thousands of people, not, you know, a few here and there from different states or countries. They knew that they wanted to reach as many people as they possibly could. So they invested in streaming online via multiple different platforms. And we've been doing it for a while. So it wasn't like a huge shift for us. It wasn't like this scramble to, hey, how do we reach people online? We were already doing it. We just needed to move our live stuff to just online. And I've seen some other churches that are smaller, medium-sized, large churches. Unfortunately, they've got to do church on Instagram or Facebook, and it still works. It's just when you're streaming like the worship and the messages and you're still doing all the things, it just looks like the church hasn't missed a beat. Um, And I think that's a good thing. That's awesome. And I've seen that too. Just, I feel like the church during this time has had to be super flexible as have a lot of different organizations in the season and figuring out that, again, I talked about this in my first episode, but a lot of times people want to take months or years to put out a new strategy. And we're finding people are having to flex in days or in hours to meet the demands of the new world that we're living in right now. Right. No, I I agree with that. So thinking about it from like a film and creative perspective, in what ways do you feel like you guys were already ready? You talked about some of the equipment you already had, but what were some of the snags or the things that you ran into that you weren't expecting in the season? Well, I I wasn't ready for this. I, I don't think anybody was. You know, we were lucky that we created three hours of teaching content months ago, and we were able to work on that as serving the church really well. We wanted to work on that earlier, but we were too buried with all the other noise that's going on to make it a priority. So that was cool that we could shift and just work on this thing. But, um, you know, I don't think that we as a church or a business were completely ready to have these calls online. You know, some people don't have (laughs) the Logitech, the cameras and the microphones and the home offices. You're in these Zoom calls and some people have to go outside because, you know, their kids are making too much noise or there just isn't anywhere quiet Luckily, you know, I had a home office and I had all that equipment, but, you know, with some of our executive leaders, we had to go help equip them with that. So I don't think anybody was ready for this. Yeah, agree. (laughs) Agree. Um, As you kind of step out and look at the bigger picture, what do you believe that this season is actually going to create for organizations and, and churches and even in visual arts and film? Like, do you believe that on the other side of this, season, we're actually going to see a lot of change in the way we're doing things because of the season? I think there's going to be a huge marketing push when things get back to the new normal. Businesses selling anything are going to flood the media platforms, convincing the buyer to buy the product or sign up for their service. They want to get consumers back into the grind of consuming again because things have halted drastically. So if people are smart, if businesses are smart, they will make efforts now to uniquely market through this massive noise boom that is about to happen. And that's going to have to look different than the way that they used to market before. That's really good. I do think that we're going to experience a lot of noise here in the very near future as things start to, like you said, return to a new normal, because I don't think that the old normal is going to be very prevalent for us. No, not at all. Anything else you want to share with our listeners today? 
yeah, you know, as I was talking about the example of reaching out to some contractors and them not feeling comfortable given that they had just met their two-week incubation period, you know, we need to have grace. We can't assume that everyone's comfort level is okay or healthy. We just can't assume what their comfort level is with this thing, what their health risks are or what their friends or family, what their health risks are at home. We need to show grace and make strong attempts to listen and try to understand where people are at with this. If we don't, you know, we're just going to hurt some feelings and, and damage some relationships. I think that's really important because I have some friends who are your full-on sanguines who have not sheltered in place through this whole entire thing. And <laughs> and some people are yeah. having to beat them off with a stick because they're still trying to come over and pretend like, you know, nothing's going on. And then you have other people who I've talked to that have deep concerns about getting sick because of either, you know, they're taking care of older parents or younger children or even something going on with themselves. And so I am seeing that it's exactly what you're saying. People have various levels of comfort with what's happening. And even as things start to open up, we're still seeing that some people are not going to go back out for, you know, several weeks ahead of the fact that parts of Georgia are starting to open. So um, it sounds like you're seeing that same sensitivity as well. Yeah. You know, you have to stop for a second and just kind of take the temperature of who it is that you're speaking to or who's walking up to your door or who you bump into at the supermarket. You have to just pause for a second and see where they're at. And that might take a few more seconds in interaction. But if you do that, I think that we can get through this thing without, you know, beating each other up or, or hurting feelings. That's really good. At the end of the day, I feel like you're talking about, hey, we have to raise our emotional intelligence in this season. Mm -hmm. And so in the past where we've been maybe able to just kind of fly through life, we actually have to slow down in this season, pay attention to what's going on with the person in front of us and have some empathy for what they may be going through. And that's different for us because especially in our society, how are you doing? really just means I want you to say fine because I need to keep moving. And in this season, when we ask that, we probably need to mean it because of so much of <laughs> what's going on right now and just slowing down and, and asking, but really wanting to know. Right. That's good. That's good, Natalie. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Phil. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm honored. Well, guys, if you want to see more of Phil's work and what he's done, head over to Bedhead Media and check him out there. In our next few episodes, we're going to continue our conversation about leading in crisis. So tune in and remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership and visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. Do some of your team feel like they are working on a never-ending hamster wheel? Are there subtle questions about satisfaction, productivity, or efficiency? We believe there is a better way of working based on human-centered principles and respect. Territory's team has been operating this way for years. And our conviction that work can be improved is why we co-founded the Work Forward movement. Simply put, the strategies and ways of working of the past are ill-suited for these unprecedented times. The days of going to an office and sitting at a desk should be a thing of the past now for most companies. 
This moment in our history gives those who understand the implications of our current moment a reason to embrace a new working model. Visit us at Territory.co and join the Work Forward movement.